everyone, Lynn Smith here, and welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all on together. Created by Munchkin, no wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. As always, my producer Justin is here. Hi, Justin. Hello. Good to hear from you as always. So it may feel like kind of a light topic, but think about how much of your day you spend thinking about manners and how stressed you get about it. Like, make sure you say please and thank you. I can hear myself doing that 10 to 15 times a day. Just hearing you say that, Lynn, whew, it gets Right, you. don't eat with your hands, chew with your mouth closed, share. I mean, the list goes on and on, and we really want to explore this with author Zach Bush, who will guide us through what we should or shouldn't be expecting from our kids and what manners are really about. Then we're going to hear a meaningful story from a mom who didn't really see the point in manners until she had her own daughter and they experienced as a family the difference manners can make. Let's get started. Zach Bush is a best-selling children's book author, father of three, and co-writer of The Little Book of Good Manners. Zach, thanks for coming on. We know we're stressed about making sure our kids learn manners. Why? Why do you think this gives us such anxiety? Well, I think it gives us anxiety because we know that it is something that is not easy. Manners is so all-encompassing. It's not just saying please and thank you. It's not just being polite at the dinner table. It's really a sense of ultimate responsibility and teaching them confidence. And I think that's why as parents, we get stressed because it's just not an easy fix. I myself have an eight-year-old boy, a seven-year-old girl, and a two-year-old girl. So it is constantly ever-present in my home. So let's start from the beginning. What are manners? Manners to me are really when you use your words, actions, or deeds to show other people that you care about them. I love that you point out that the dinner table is a great place to start. Um, It's sort of a microcosm of the entire world. Will you explain to me what that means? Kids are not born with good manners. No one is born knowing where to put their fork and knife. So it's important that we teach them and that we understand that it's always a work in progress. Babies are born, you put them in their high chair and you know, they're playing with their food and it's okay because they're babies, right? You're spoon feeding them and there comes a certain time where it's no longer okay to throw everything off the high chair. And so not that it's ever okay, but it's really acceptable when they're a baby, right? That's what babies do, they make messes. And at a certain point it evolves where you want them to be able to chew with their mouth closed, not make a mess taking your dishes to the sink. So I think that as children get older, what it looks like at the table changes, of course, but it's important as parents to be involved in that process. What if the parents don't agree on that? You know, my husband's from the South and manners are a huge thing. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I grew up in Ohio. My parents just weren't that strict about it. So how do you navigate that when both of you feel strongly about how it should be taught? You know, I grew up with much more strict rules than Mm -hmm. my wife did. And I think it's like anything in a marriage or in a household where you decide what is non-negotiable and what isn't and you meet in the middle. There really is no right or wrong way. It's what's right Mm -hmm. and wrong for that home. In my house, please and thank you is absolutely mandatory. Whether my kid is screaming, can you grab me a bottle of water or mom, can you help me? In my house, please and thank you. There's no reason not to say it. And it's a great place to start. In one way or another, when your children go out into the world, it's a reflection of your household. They represent you in everything they do, whether they're well-behaved at school, right? Are they respectful to their teachers? Yeah, you know, I think the word manners brings up some associations that might feel light. But when you bring up the word respect, 
in association with manners. It puts a totally different viewpoint on this. I don't want people to get confused when we speak of respect that we're saying they have to be respectful to their parents. Of course, mm -hmm. we want children to be respectful to their parents, but it's so much more than that. It's really about being respectful to others, not just in the family, but beyond the family. When should we be teaching these types of ideas? That's a great question. I don't really think that there's ever an age that is too young. Even when a baby throws food off the high chair, we don't embrace it, right? Maybe once in a while we film it because the first couple of times it's kind of cute and kind of funny, but that gets old real quick. We do at that time saying we don't play with our food. So even little gestures like that early on, you're almost accidentally teaching them at a very early age what is acceptable and what isn't. How many times do we have to do this? And then how do we deliver it? My son, when we were visiting a friend's house, he's climbing all over the furniture. He's seven. And I'm like, we're at somebody's home. Show respect, right? Like that's coming from an angry tone because I was frustrated. And I, I probably am going to assume you're going to say that's not as effective as being like, we're in someone's home. We need to be respectful and explain it to them. Listen, I, I cannot sit here and pretend that I don't ever speak in an angry tone, even <laughs> even as a, as a as a Okay, good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yes. I mean, we learn through repetition. Ultimately, it's really just patience with children in anything, right? They don't pick up most things the first time you tell them or the second time or the 200th time, but they're always watching and they're always learning. Of course, we've got the please and the thank yous. Sharing is a big thing. But you point out one example in the book that I just wouldn't have thought of. You say, cleaning up after your pet. How does that apply to the principles of manners? I live in a community here, and you're supposed to pick up after your pet when they go outside. And so one of my children actually stepped in some dog poop. And they were upset that they stepped in it. And I was explaining that someone didn't have good manners. The community asked that you scoop up the dog poop and throw it away in a special bag and trash can. Mm -hmm. And someone didn't do that. Certainly taking care of a pet is a responsibility. And it's tying back manners to this responsibility theme. And that was one additional way. How much do you think it impacts them when they see us behaving in that way, modeling the behavior? It's easy to model good behavior, right? To say please and thank you as an adult or to do a good deed or hold the door for someone. What is hard is when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when your child is at your friend's house and climbing all over the furniture. <laughs> That's when it's much more challenging because yes. if they see you get mad, right? And it doesn't sound like you blew your top by any means no. necessary. But there are times in our adult world where we want mm -hmm. to blow our tops. And so whether it's in the car when someone cuts you off in traffic, right. right? You want to say, oh, what an idiot. But these children are always, always watching. And it is one of the most, if not the most important thing is they model our behavior. Yeah. Good and yeah. bad. I think that's a really important message that children are works in progress. And parents, we are works in progress. That is absolutely true. I don't want anyone to think that I have these perfect little children running around that are always clean, that wash their hands every single time without being reminded, and that put their fork and knife down perfectly. My wife even joked with me this morning when I told her I was going on a podcast to speak about manners. She said, are they going to put a camera in our house and see your amazing wild children <laughs> running around? None of us are perfect. As adults, we're not perfect. Our children are not perfect. It is okay that they don't always say please and thank you. It's critical that as adults, we model good behavior and we keep manners in the forefront of conversations so that ultimately we can raise respectful children.
Let's take an example. Say we're at the dinner table and we want to deliver the tone in a way that the kids are going to pick up most effectively. How would we communicate in that situation? Let's talk about holding the fork and knife. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's much easier as an adult. We have bigger hands, our motor skills are more developed, but you still want to teach your children who might not be able to hold a fork and a knife perfectly. So I might say, hey, try it like this. And then I'll actually show them a way that I think is easier where it's far from perfect placement on the fork and knife, but you're actually showing them a way that is acceptable to you as an adult and a parent, and then continue to show them how to put the fork and knife down. Or for example, here's one that often comes up, especially when we're out to dinner, where the waiter or the server will drop a plate of bread. And then all of a sudden, all these tiny hands go flying towards the bread. You have to teach them, hey, let the server put it down. Would you like a piece of bread? I'm happy to get you a piece of bread. And you pass the bowl of bread over, as opposed to seeing all these hands reaching like the restaurant's going to run out of bread. And that's the last batch they have. And it seems how we teach them manners is another way of modeling manners, right? I think that's a great point, is that we want to teach them manners in a way that we ourselves are showing good manners, right? We want to teach them in a positive, constructive way with positive, constructive tones. And just like the first time that you sit down with your child to do math homework, they don't know all the answers. And manners are, are very similar. We don't want to get angry at them and say, hey, you should do this or you should do that. We want to be patient and we want to be understanding. We don't want to teach them to behave a certain way out of fear. You might have already seen that your child has had their elbows on the table four or five times. And by the sixth time, you're ready to snap and lose it. One thing we don't want to do is say, hey, I told you five times already. Get your elbows mm -hmm. off the darn mm -hmm. table. So there's ways to give them nonverbal cues. There's ways to constantly remind them where us as the adults are modeling positive behavior. And also, when it comes to what the end game of this is, ultimately, we want our children to contribute to a world in a positive way, and it feels like the way that we teach them being respectful ourselves is the most effective. So can you just sort of give us an idea of the ultimate goal here? It's not just don't put your sure, elbows sure. on the table. It's really about teaching your children how to respect themselves, how to be confident, how to know that they can be in different situations as they grow up and know how to handle themselves because they've been taught how to handle different situations. It's more than just being an example for you and being proud as a parent that your children have gone out there and represented themselves well. More importantly than that, it's a respect for themselves. Can you tell us a, a bit more about the bigger implications here when they are implementing manners? A great example of that is when my seven-year-old and six-year-old get into an argument, or maybe one of them loses their cool and the conversation to be had at that time is that, look, only you are responsible for your own actions. You control if you raise your voice. You control if in frustration you throw the game off the table. And so you're teaching that at an early age that ultimately they are the, the master of their own domain. They are the ones that control their own actions. And this shows up later in life in so many different ways. As children become teens, become young adults, become young men and women, you're in situations all the time where whether it's sticking up for another person or speaking up to, you know, watching someone be bullied and either joining in or doing nothing when really, you mm -hmm. know, you want them to, to say, hey, don't treat this person like that. That's not fair. That's not nice. I've read many, many stories where people will go for a job interview, for example, mm -hmm. and they might be perfect for the job. They might be the ultimate expert. 
But if they go in and they are rude to the receptionist, for example, mm-hmm. or don't make eye contact or think that they're better than that person or don't engage them in a professional, polite way, these people have lost out on job opportunities. So I think all of that stuff is really, really important because it molds the people that we become. It's such a good point. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly my pleasure. You know, Zach talking about the importance of it and what matters and what doesn't matter, it it really is going to be different for every family. That's what I realized. Like I'm trying to fit into this box of what I should or shouldn't do, but that's just not the case. What applies to my family could be completely different. Justin, like to your family. That's true. Yeah, we have an eat with your hands policy for adults and kids at all times. (laughs) Can I come over for dinner? (laughs) It's a blast. It's nonstop. I bet. I mean, but really, I like the idea that this is about taking responsibility for yourself. You need to be proud of who you are. And having good manners is a piece of that. It definitely is. And um, I did a deep dive, a mannerly yeah. deep dive on <laughs> uh, on manners. And I found some great information from Dr. Siggy Cohen. Oh, who, I love her. You may remember from our yes. siblings episode last season. Here are some tips. Number one, provide explicit instruction. Don't just say, take off your shoes. Explain, please take off your shoes so that we don't have a bunch of dirt in the house. That way they can perceive uh, what you're asking them for. Number two, keep your manners age appropriate. A toddler can learn to say please and thank you, of course, but it'll take them longer to develop actual patience. And number three, my favorite, practice new situations. Actually role play and switch roles so your kid can understand both sides of the situation. Like if your kid has a birthday coming up, practice politely opening presents. I never thought like practice opening presents so you can show your kids how to do it politely. If there's one task your kid will like to do, it's practicing opening presents. Laura Mullen had a challenge teaching her daughter manners, but then her daughter came through with manners in the most beautiful way. Here's our correspondent, Fleece, with the parenting story of the day. Laura Mullen knew her table manners, although she didn't really see the point. Growing up for me, my parents were very invested in manners. So when we were sitting at the table, it was expected, obviously, that we would put the napkin on our lap, that we would not talk with our mouth full. We wouldn't bring our school books and throw them down on the table. And it was a golden rule, and and I follow this today, that you could never put a jar of something on the table. Everything had to look beautiful. Then she grew up and had her own daughter. What would their dinner table be like? I kind of thought that maybe some of those rules that I had when I was a kid didn't necessarily have to be implemented in the same way in my own household. One night, when her daughter was around seven years old, they were at Laura's parents for dinner, and her mom had set the kind of table she always had. I'm sitting at the table and I look over and I see my daughter in the middle of a spaghetti dinner. She's picking up the noodles one by one and she's got tomato sauce all over her face, all over her hands, uh, all over the table. And she's chewing with her mouth open and it's just gross. She can use an iPad, she can use a phone, she can play video games, she can use a sewing machine. She definitely can use a fork, but she's, she's not. It was this moment that I turned to my husband and I said, we have to do something about this. I felt like maybe I wasn't, you know, preparing her for the world. 
Laura didn't want to be fanatical about manners, but that night helped her see how using manners would enhance her daughter's interactions with the outside world. They decided to work on them together at home. Meals were not pleasant. Every dinner, we would sit at the table and we would remind our daughter of of all the ways that she was supposed to eat. And it kind of became a very tense situation. And then my husband and I, we both had different ideas of how you should eat at the table, how you should hold a fork, silly things. And so the three of us would start to fight when really the goal was to have a pleasant and respectful meal and, and it failed miserably. They weren't making much progress, and the timing could not have been worse because an event was coming up for the family where using manners would be of the utmost importance. My sister-in-law's mother passed away, and we had a funeral to go to. It was going to be a traditional Chinese Buddhist funeral. I have to say that I felt nervous because not only is it a funeral, but it's it's a funeral that has all these customs and traditions that we're not familiar with. Laura, her husband and daughter, walked in and were greeted by her brother. He came over and he whispered to us um, some of the things that we needed to do, which included lighting incense and walking up to an open casket and bowing at the body and then bowing at my sister-in-law's family. And we were all nervous and, and a little bit awkward, wanting to make sure that we did the right thing. Later, Laura left the room while her daughter was with the group. When she came back in, she saw something she never expected. When I came back, I saw that my daughter was caught up in a receiving line of my sister-in-law's family, and everybody was hugging each other as they left, and my daughter was in the middle of it, and she was hugging everybody. Seeing her daughter join in confirmed that all their talking about manners at home had made an impact. Her daughter could adjust and connect, and she couldn't have been more proud. I think she felt that it was a really beautiful ritual to be part of and that she was able to comfort her cousin and her aunt and extended family and and be part of something that was really unique. Laura said that manners allow us to acknowledge each other and they also unlock opportunities. When I am using my best manners or when my daughter is, it's out of respect for other people and that we can share a beautiful meal together, we can go to the theater, we can go to a funeral, we can go to all of the things that involve customs and etiquette and manners and that we are honoring people and can enjoy the time that we get to spend together because that's really at the end of the day what it's about. You know, I love this story and I'm going to try this with my son, explaining to him it's not about him being perfect or proper, but it's really Mm. how you want to treat others. Yeah, I've been trying to do that with my kids, especially at dinner time, because I usually make dinner for the kids. And I put some effort into this. I'm not just serving out, you know, a frozen pizza. I'm uh, making some sauces. I've got like the, the peas are buttered. Like and they got salt on them. They're ready to go. They're tasty. Again, can I'm I have saying, an invite to dinner at your house? But please, come on, <laughs> come on by. And I try to explain, like, it makes me feel good when you say thank you after I put all this effort in, because you see me in the kitchen doing this. And I really want you to enjoy it. So the thank you is sort of what um, what I want to feel after doing it. And then now that actually now they want to help more. So now they're coming on the front end and they're like, can I put the peas in the pot? <laughs> and that's the show. Thanks for taking this wild ride with us. I also want to thank Zach Bush, Laura Mullen, and as always, 
you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. Spread the word about our show. And thank you to Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. And you can find all of your favorite Munchkin products at Target. At Stroller Coaster, we're all about community. So if you have a question or a topic you want to hear more about, don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at munchkin.com. Okay, Justin, you got to let people know about story time. This is so fun for the parents and their kids. Yes, um, we have a bonus for you. Stroller Coaster Storytime is a podcast we do that's perfect for kids. We take your classic children's stories and fairy tales and we update them, make them fun and funny. Uh, Lynn, you're familiar with Little Red Riding Hood? Well, sure. Well, we upgraded her and made her Little Red Riding sneakers. Here's a clip. Little Red Riding sneakers didn't get very far into the big, big woods when she saw the wolf. Hello, Little Red Riding sneakers. Ooh, your sneakers are looking fresh. So fresh. So fresh. Ah, that's adorable. That's what's so fun about it. It's creative. Exactly. And you can find Stroller Coaster Storytime right here in the same feed. Before we go, Munchkin invites you to join us in helping make the planet a better place for our kids. Support organizations that protect animals and their natural habitat, like IFAW, the International Fund for Animal Welfare. And now that you're ready to do something for the planet, here's something you can do for yourself. Take a time out. Today, let's go on an unforgettable journey to Ambaselli National Park, home to the majestic African elephants. Discoveries made on these very grasslands have changed the way humans interact with elephant populations all over the world. What was once viewed as a herd is now respected as a family of individuals, of which there are over 1,600 grazing and sunbathing on this sprawling Kenyan savanna. Enjoy. Enjoy.